So how does the follow-up process work in your business? You've attracted those customers, you've worked really hard on the marketing, you send them a proposal, what happens next? That's what we're going to cover in today's episode of the Sales and Presentation Podcast. Welcome to the Sales and Presentation Podcast. This is the podcast for businesses and individuals who want to transform their sales activity, deliver awesome presentations and win more sales pitches. And now, here is your host, Trevor Lee. Welcome, everybody. This is Trevor Lee here with the Sales and Presentation Podcast. I'm here every week to share with you top tips and ideas for transforming sales, delivering awesome presentations, and winning more sales pitches. And thank you very much, everybody who's been listening to the podcast. The numbers are growing, and it would be great if you are listening and you could leave a review. A couple of Saturdays ago, I took part in a thing called the Tide Wath. Trotter. I can't I can never pronounce the name of that village. Isn't this an Ostling Cornwall? I really apologize for getting that wrong. I was running around and I bumped into somebody that I knew and he said, Oh Trevor, I've been listening to your podcast. I thought, Oh, fantastic. That's great. <laughs> so I asked him to leave a review. So if you are enjoying the podcast, then uh, please do leave a review. And don't forget that if you've got an event coming up and you're looking for someone to speak on the subject of sales or indeed presentations, uh, then get in touch. That would be great. And I'm already now beginning to fill up the diary, of course, in for the autumn with Sell More, which is the sales training program that I run, mainly aimed at, pe- at companies that don't necessarily have sales teams. And of course, Deliver Awesome Presentations, which is the program that gives you confidence on how to do a great presentation. It's a really a one-day synopsis of all the stuff that I've been covering in the in the podcast. Anyway, enough of that promo stuff for me. Let's get on with today's subject. Today's subject is all about following up. And the reason I'm talking about following up is that I've been doing some work recently with a couple of organizations and and they've been telling me that one of their issues is that they get lots, you know, they get quite some good traction from their marketing activity. So they've got good stuff coming in and it turns into quotes and they send out proposals and that sort of stuff. And then kind of nothing really happens after that. So so I thought it'd be quite good to share some thoughts and ideas on that because I'm sure they're not the only company that that is in that sort of boat, if you like. So how does it work? Well, let's just roll back a little bit. So you devote that time and money to marketing. And you've probably got in-house people who do that or an agency or maybe a combination of that. And, and the marketing attracts interest. And some of that interest naturally, you know, will convert into instant sales. You know, it depends clearly what product you're selling and all that sort of stuff. But particularly in the business to business sector, you know, those sales can take a little while. You know, and if, if, if I'm uh, selling my products and services and I get interest from someone in, say, a training course, then... They don't necessarily sign up straight away. They usually ask me to send them an outline proposal and things like that. So, uh, you know, you will find yourself, I'm sure, putting together a proposal at some point and probably emailing it out. I imagine I imagine that virtually all proposals are emailed rather than put in the post these days. But no, don't forget that putting a proposal in the post will make it stand out from all the other ones on email because you don't know how many other companies have been asked to put the proposal in. So, you know, yeah, okay, it doesn't get it out there as fast, but sometimes it might help you stand out. But anyway, let's assume you're emailing your proposal out. So what do you then do next? Well, there's probably three things. First of all, you might do nothing at all. You're working on the basis they've got your proposal. 
if they're interested, they'll get back in touch with you. Because after all, that's how you ended your proposal, wasn't it? You put something along the lines of, well, if you need more information, please do let me know. Okay. Do you do that? Any of you do that? Uh, or do you put, if you want to place an order, please get in touch. <laughs> I mean, lots of people do do that. They do put that sort of like loose thing at the end of the proposal. And then, you know, there's a danger that you then send out, you send out your proposal email and you leave it a few days and then you send another email out and it says something along the lines of, did you get my email? Or did you get my email? What do you think? So is that going to inspire me to buy? Ooh, I don't know, really. What do you think? What do you think? I'm not so sure. Or number three is you might phone up really on the pretense of just checking that you received my email. Well, you know, frankly, most people receive emails these days, don't they? I mean, less and less, there's less and less chance that your email doesn't arrive. Whichever of those generate for your response, do you act surprised when no one gets back to you? Disappointed, maybe. And uh, I was doing a workshop for new, relatively new businesses recently, some of whom are trying to get on the radar of suppliers and third-party wholesalers and, and shops and all sorts of people. And, you know, they're, they're kind of disappointed that no one ever responds to their emails. Well, the reality is that in that sort of, in that sort of environment, people are getting tons of proposals every day from people. So, you know, you have to work out how do you stand out above the crowd? Well, let's let's just roll it back a little bit more because let's not forget that, you know, sales is often about momentum. If the customer or your potential customer has phoned you, then don't forget they're giving you their time. So one of the things I've noticed is some of the businesses I work with who then ultimately send out proposals is that they can't, they seem to want to rush the caller off the phone. Oh, okay, so um, you're interested in our product. Thanks very much. That's great. Uh, let me take a few details. I'll email a proposal out to you. Well, don't forget that when they're on the phone to you, they've decided to give you their time. And this is the important bit, I think. So they've made a conscious effort. As soon as you put the phone down, the balance has changed because you're now you're going to be now asking them to, to convert their time to yours rather than them willingly give it. And that means opening your email when it arrives or, or taking your follow-up phone call, whatever it is. So the first thing about proposal is to try and get as much information and as much commitment as you can whenever that person makes first contact. So if that's by phone, that's fantastic because that shows that if they bother to phone you up, that's a big signal to me that they're really interested. If they're only half interested, they'll might, you know, they'll drop you an email and you don't know how many other people they've dropped a similar email to you, you know, to as well. What can you do if you want to keep that momentum going? Well, the first thing you need to do is is get something in action straight away. So if someone phones you up or drops you an email and they look as though they're genuinely interested in buying your product or service, whatever that might be, you need to react pretty quickly. And that means to me, same day, because every time a client goes to sleep, they lose momentum on buying decisions. Because we've all been there. You know, think about yourself as a buyer. You get excited about buying something. You think it's a great idea and you're ready to buy. And then you go to bed at night and you wake up the next morning and, you, and you've kind of gone a bit lukewarm on it and you, you've talked yourself out of it. We're very good as buyers at talking ourselves out of it and, and convincing ourselves that we don't actually need it, which is why I suppose cooling off periods apply to you know certain consumer purchases. You need to keep the momentum going. So you need to get that proposal out quickly. And then you need to make sure that your proposal matches what you've been asked to quote for. 
And again, you know, you'd be surprised how many times this, this doesn't happen. Customer is telling you or has emailed you about a particular issue they have. They think you can solve it. You send them a proposal and then you get no reply. And very often it's because they've read your proposal and they think, well, actually, this doesn't work. This isn't what I asked for. So it's really, really important if you get that email or you get that phone call that you do your best to clarify the situation. So when they've phoned you in, that's a brilliant opportunity. So just make sure that you say, just to be sure what you're asking me to quote for is, is that right? Ask those really precise questions. And if they email you in and it's a bit vague what they're asking for, then, you know, I would phone them up. I tend to do that. If someone emails me, I would always phone them up and just find out exactly what it is they want before I send them a proposal. And it might take you a little while to get through to them, but, you know, they'll be aware because you can leave a message saying, look, you, you email me. I want to make sure that what I send you back doesn't waste your time. I want to get it right for you. So let's I'll try again and call you. But it really is important that I fully understand what you're asking me for. Most people will respond to that. I mean, they've emailed you in the first place. So if they're serious about it, then they're going to respond to that. And then, of course, I think the other thing is that very often with proposals, and this is a big thing in sales, I think now, is that you know you, people offer one solution, one outcome only. So you've asked me to put together a proposal. Here's my solution. Bang. And it's just one thing, one price point, one product or one service, one structure, that sort of thing. So let's not forget, you know, I'd have banged on about this in a previous podcast, I'm sure, where, you know, buyers like to have choice, don't they? If you're buying something, be a jacket or, a, I don't know, some food or something or a chair, whatever it might be. If you've only got one choice, it's kind of take it or leave it, isn't it? And I think that that applies exactly to a, a proposal when you put in a proposal together for someone to buy something. So buyers like choice. I want to be as the buyer in charge of the decision making process here. So give me some alternatives. Give me three options. That's always a good one, I think. And they don't have to be vastly different from the core thing that you're offering. It might even be timescale difference. It might be a tweak in volume. It might be a variation in color. It could be anything. But you'll find a way of offering them three choices. Option one, two, three, or ABC, whatever you want to call it. Don't call it gold, silver, and bronze. I really, I really cringe when, when people have gold, silver, and bronze options. Oh, God, I can't, I can't be doing with that. Anyway, <laughs> it may work for you, but ooh, I, you know, I don't think it's a great. But anyway, so simple things, you know, one, two, three, ABC, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, offer people options. I'm sure that that will increase the chances of them making a choice and therefore getting back to you on your proposal. Because if you send them one choice and, and there's part of it that's not quite right for them, they may decide not to bother with you, even though, you know, it's that close to being right. Because they might not want to ring you up and say, well, actually, you know, we like your proposal, but we want to change this. Give them those three options and the changes may well already be in there. Right. Number four is try not to make your proposal look templated as though you've cut and pasted some of the stuff. And well, no, I'm not knocking design companies and web companies and all that, but these guys tend to do that. You ask for a new website or a new logo, you get a 20-page proposal and the first 12 pages just bangs on about how good the company is and how many awards they've won and how brilliant they are and all that. And all you're doing is flicking through, isn't it? You know, is this what you do? You flick through and you're looking for the page that tells you how much it's going to cost. So my view is get that first page with all the detail on. So everything I know about your proposal is in the first page that I read. Because again, that might be a reason I don't respond because you sent me a great big proposal and, and I'm thinking, oh, I can't be asked to read 20 pages. I just want to know what you're going to do for me, when you're going to do it and how much it's going to cost. So check your proposal template. 
If it's too fancy, Dan, it may be costing you business. So what happens after that? Well, you know, you've got that. Well, how are you going to follow it up then? Which is what we're all, you know, what this session was all about. So what can you do differently? Well, I think you have to get the balance right between like uh, being persistent and being a nuisance. And everybody thinks that if they make more than two, two or three follow-up connections, connections, however that is, call, email, whatever, they're being a nuisance. Well, you're not because people need prompting. But you have to do it in a certain way. And the, the way that you know, the gurus tell you to do it is to add value every time you make contact. So if you're going to follow up your proposal, then do so by adding some extra value. Frank, I forgot to mention in the original thing, and I've thought about it since, that it, I think it would be really good if we also did or we did this a slightly different way. So think about what you can bring to the table. It's an excuse for contacting the person. Rather than send that, have you read my email yet? What do you think? So instead of doing that, you know, be subtle about it. Add some more value. Keep on the radar. Further to the email proposal, or the proposal I emailed you last week, I've been thinking about it in a bit more detail. And I've also thought now that what might be actually work for you better is if we tweaked, you know, that little bit there. It doesn't have to be a big change. It doesn't have to be a huge amount. It's just enough to them to think, oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. That is a good idea. And it also makes them think you're keen to win their business because you're adding value, you're spending time on it. You're not just randomly calling them, have you made a decision yet? A lot of people do. So it will also stand you out from the crowd as well. So there we go. And you, know, you can also follow up by video. Why not send a video follow up? Hey, come on, push the technology, guys. Instead of sending an email or a phone call, send them a little video email. Hey, it's uh, Frank, yeah, it's Trevor here. I'm just following up to see, um, you know, I've added some bit more value and I'd like to think, you know, and you do all that bit there as well. But in the B2B sector, you know, you will need to be patient as well. Some people will take a long time to make a decision. So you might have to send a few, you know, you might have to keep in touch six or seven times before anything happens. As Brian Burns would say, go slowly to a yes, don't go racing to a no. So use the phone, use video, add some tweaks, but also make sure that, that you, what you were offering was what was needed. That's really important and that you're the right fit. And so if you're sending out cold emails or cold proposals, make sure that you really get them right and that sort of thing. Because otherwise, you, people are going to say, oh, well, this isn't the right one for me. This is, this is not going to work. It's going to lose my momentum. So there we are. So that's about following up. So don't be put off if people don't contact you. That's the main message. Be persistent, but don't become a nuisance. It's getting the balance right. And, you know, think about how you get the balance right. Think about also and look at the way that people follow up with you when they're trying to sell you stuff and learn from that and pick out the best bits. I had a couple of emails recently from someone who added value. And of course, it made me read them. The ones who just say, have you got my email? Well, we've been over all that. There we go. So following up is really important. If people are that interested in you, keep at it. Don't give up after two or three goes because who knows, the fourth or fifth go might be the one that tips them over the line and gets them to buy your product or service. So there we go. I hope that's useful to you. And I hope this podcast has been useful to you as well. So uh, a reminder that if you are new to the podcast, we've got lots of previous episodes to listen to. They're all about sales, they're all about presenting. And some of the ones, one or two of the presenting ones are also on the my uh, Trevely Media YouTube channel where you can see slides that go with the ones. So if you haven't looked at the last minute of your presentation or the first minute of your presentation, go to Trevely Media on YouTube 
and I will talk you, you'll, you'll see me being filmed while I'm, you know, dictating the podcast, so to speak. But on your screen, you'll see relevant slides that go with it. So it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a cross between a podcast and a webinar, whatever that is. A, po- a podinar. There we are. I've invented a new word, podinar. <laughs> you heard it here first, the podinar. I'm, oh, I like that, actually. I'm going to write that down. Right, enough of that rambling. Thank you very much for listening. That's the end of the podcast. I'm Trevor Lee. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Sales and Presentation Podcast. So until then, make sure that you make the most of the sales and presenting opportunities that come your way. Thank you for listening. The Sales and Presentation Podcast is a production of Trevor Lee Media. If your organization needs to transform its sales activity and re-energize its sales team, or you need help with a key presentation or sales pitch, then please get in touch with Trevor via trevor at trevorleemedia.co.uk or call him on 07785 390 717. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes or via your podcast app. Thank you.